You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. We're in Luke chapter 11, and we'll be in verses 14 through 28. I have a word to say to our new brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. Uh, was took my grandson, one of my grandsons, fishing yesterday, and as I was watching him fish, and I was thinking about my lesson this morning, he was fishing, and there was a water moccasin swam real close by. You know what we did? We stayed away from it. And that made me think about the point. You're you new converts, you new brothers and sisters, are going to be faced with seeing evil before you. You think about that snake, and you stay away from it. Okay? As long as you don't mess with it, stay away from it. There are many religions. There are many philosophies. There's many worldviews, theories, and ideas out there. And it's so confusing that a lot of people have come to the conclusion that there's really no such thing as absolute truth. They just don't think that there is one truth. But the truth is, there is a God in heaven. And there is a devil. It's in our world amongst us. And the truth is, there's a heaven and there's a hell. And I think sometimes we get caught up in trying to be so, we call Dennis politically correct, religiously politically correct, that we don't want to mention that there's a hell. But there is a hell. And there is a, the prince of darkness is out there trying to get as many people there as he can. Because he's defeated. But he's trying before he's bound eternally to do that. There is demonic activities around us. Spiritualist, you know, horoscopes got their start in, with spiritualists and fortune tellers and that kind of thing. That's demonic. Any activity that the evil one uses to promote his agenda, the Antichrist, any activity that the Antichrist promotes, is demonic in nature. Think about it. The murder of millions of unborn babies is demonic. That's a fact. The destruction of family unit is demonic in its nature. We have movements in this country right now that is trying to destroy what constitute a male and a female. When you open your Bible, you will read that God created Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. Okay? The change that is demonic. Now that may hurt some feelings, but it's time to hurt feelings if you don't understand what the truth is. Because read your Bible, and that's what's in there. But you know, we never have to be afraid of demonic activity if Jesus is living inside of us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, 
But if you belong to God, my dear children, you have already won a victory over those people. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Amen? Jesus encounters the demonic here in Luke chapter 11, verse 14. He also deals with the attitudes of people and how they viewed him. But look at verse 14. One day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak and the crowds were amazed. Now there was some reasons why the crowds were amazed. First of all, in Jewish society at the time, they believed that the only way that a demon could be cast out was that that demon had to reveal its name. And the Jews had their own exorcist who went around trying to cast out demons. But since this demon did not reveal its name, that was, was so amazing to these people, these, this crowd. It wasn't the fact that a demon being cast, that is how he did it. So as they were thinking about this, they were perplexed. Now Paul encountered some Jewish ex, uh, exorcists in Acts chapter 19. And in that story, a group of Jews were traveling from town to town. It was seven of them. And they were trying to cast out demons as the apostles were doing. And they got stuck, so to speak. They weren't accomplishing the exorcism. So they started using the name of Jesus. And they didn't even believe in Jesus because they knew that they had heard that there was power in the name of Jesus. So at one particular time here in, in Acts chapter 19, it says... But one time when they tried it, that is those seven Jewish exorcists, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? You see, it's all about the faith in Jesus and the belief in Jesus and the power of the name. It's being his follower. It's just not jumping on the wagon and saying, well, I'll just hang on and hopefully I'll make cross the finish line at the end of my life if I say I believe in Jesus. It's about really committing and giving your life to Christ. It's about living for Christ. So you see the attitude that existed in that period of time, the day of Jesus, the day of Paul. So here we see in verse 15, but some of the, in Luke 11, but some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. And others trying to test Jesus demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. How many of us asked Jesus for a sign? Still today. How many people, Lord, give me a sign? He's giving you a sign. When he rose from the dead, that was a sign that his, his bond to you was eternal. See, when people saw this work, they weren't concerned how the man was that the demon had been possessing. They were more concerned of the authority that Jesus did it with. They're accusing him of being the agent of Satan. Because he didn't call out and make the demon confess his name to him or reveal his name. They wanted to see a miracle next. Verse 17. He knew their thoughts. 
Don't forget that. Don't forget that. When you come to the Lord in prayer, He already knows your thoughts. He wants you to reveal them to Him. So don't try to hide something. He knows. He says He knew their thoughts and He said, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You say I'm empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? A kingdom divided against itself will fall. Jesus used their thoughts to combat their thoughts. He displayed a gift of the Holy Spirit by knowing their thoughts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8, Paul talks about this being a gift of the Spirit, being able to have knowledge. But Jesus is being logical to some illogical people. He says, if I'm an agent of Satan, how can I help Satan if I'm trying to defeat him? It doesn't make sense. And we should understand this because we live in a world that's not logical at all. See, the point was that Satan would not work against himself. So Jesus turned this on his accusers, and he makes them have to work it out in their mind. And he's dealing with the Pharisees. He's dealing with the legalistic thinkers of the day. And then he says this in verse 19, And if I'm empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcist? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have said. That Jesus brought the point up that they don't know what they're talking about and their logic made no sense at all. So what Jesus moves to next is declaring his strength over the demonic. And we're going to spend some time and more time in the next few verses. Verse 20, but if I am casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. So what he's putting the monkey on their back, so to speak, he has proven he's not from Satan. So if he's not from Satan, where is he from? They have to admit he's from God. So see, if he's casting out demons by the power of God, then he says, the kingdom of God has arrived among you. He's declaring himself as the king. The kingdom of God was there. He was declaring the kingdom had arrived. He was declaring that he had the power of God. Now remember, this is on the road, so to speak, to Jerusalem. It's going to take a while, but there are, he's going toward Jerusalem to meet the cross. So here he is telling them who he is. Now Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would be filled with seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 2, I'm going to read this for you. If you'd like to turn there, you can. But Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2. Why is this important? Because it tells beforehand what Jesus was going to have. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. Verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. 
the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might. This is what Jesus would bring in the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And here we see in his ability to cast out demons the spirit of might. And we saw he had the spirit of knowledge as he knows what they're thinking. These seven manifestations of the spirit. All these things is what Jesus would have. No one else would have all this power of the spirit but the son. Verse 21. Now Jesus is talking. He's telling this story. For when a strong man is fully armed and his guards, his palace, and his possessions are safe. Until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, and carries off his belongings. The strong man here is Satan. The stronger man is Jesus. And never forget that. Satan has power. He has power to disrupt. He has power to try to destroy. He has power to steal. But Jesus is stronger. Jesus lives inside of us as believers. Remember, the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Some verses say, greater is he who lives in you than he who lives in the world. I want to read that passage out of the Amplified Version, John 4 and verse 4. Little children, believers, dear ones, you are of God and you belong to him and have already overcome them. That is the agents of the Antichrist. Because he who is in you is greater than he, that is Satan, who is in the world. Jesus made it clear he is stronger than the strong man. Now, the other, the other Gospels refer to this overpowering that he, that he says here in verse 22. It says, even the strong, there was someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him. The Gospels of Matthew and Mark, as Matthew 12 and Mark 3, talk about binding Satan. It's, instead of overpowering, they use the term binding. Matthew 12, verse 29. Or who else can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except the first to bind the strong man? Overpower him. Tie him up. And the binding of the strong man is what our hope is built on. That he is not going to win. That Jesus wins. And he goes on to say in verse 23 of Luke 11, Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Is that clear? Is that clear? Jesus said, Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. That's out of the word of Jesus Christ. Out of his mouth. 
There are only two options in this world. There's only two. You're either supportive and follow the Messiah and support His work, or you're against it. You're either for Him or you're against Him. There's no middle ground. There's no third option. And there's no no neutrality. So what does that mean? That means either right or it's wrong. There's no gray area in between. Either you follow Jesus or you don't. How much clearer could the Christ make it than that? How much simpler can he make it? Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. This is the ultimate truth. The binding of the strong man comes in four phases. Here are these four phases. Phase one, and this is important. You know, we we tend to be afraid of prophecy. We tend to escape, not want to talk about it because we don't understand it. But you need to understand prophecy because it's comforting. Prophecy is comforting because we see as it's revealed, God fulfills His promises. Okay? So here, phase one of the binding of the strong man, when Jesus came to the earth, be born of a virgin, he grew up into adulthood, and then he entered his ministry for three years. And Jesus started binding the strong man when he started casting out demons. He showed his power over Satan by casting out demons out of people. Understand, he started binding. Phase two, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, this guaranteed the future binding of Satan. We look in our world and we're thinking Satan is rampant. Yes, he is, but he cannot win the final victory. In Colossians 2, verse 14 and 15, Paul wrote this, He counseled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them publicly. He's talking about Satan and his horde of followers. Jesus shamed Satan in front of the entire world and in front of the entire heavenlies when he died on that cross and walked out of that grave. Satan was shown to it all who he really is. And he was also showed that he will not win. See, Satan is after Christians. He wants to pull us away from the Father. He's after world domination. And he's plundering and trying to take one at a time. But what happened this morning when these young ones gave their lives to Christ and they d- wanted to show all of you and 
the enemy that they were going to follow Christ, Satan lost again. That's how important that is. To show their obedience and faith by going through baptism. They want to walk with Jesus. And they're going to show you so that you can help. Phase three. The return of Jesus to this earth to rule. And Satan will be bound for a thousand years. And then phase four. When that period is over and Christ is ready to return to the Father, then all that the demons and the hordes of devilish angels and Satan will all be cast into the eternal lake of fire, the abyss, according to Revelation chapter 20. And then he's bound for eternity. Satan is on a long chain right now. He's on a long chain. Two phases of his binding have happened. Two left to go. But I assure you, God is in control. When we get afraid of things going on around us and what's going on in our country, going on in this world, we have to remember God is in control. But he wants us as his people to be the lights in darkness. Satan is at work deceiving people until the final binding. He knows time is running out, so he's trying to get as many as he can until the final binding takes place. And his objective is to deceive people in the name of God. And when people carry out the deaths of innocence and torture and the beheadings in the name of God... This is satanic deception. When people say there are many paths to God, this is satanic deception. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. One way. And Jesus said what? Either you're for me or you're against me. So not to believe in Jesus Christ as... The Son of God is to say you are against him. And he will be the final judge. Satan is bound. Has a long chain for the moment. But when God has guaranteed us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection, he has guaranteed us of the permanent imprisonment of Satan. And we need to believe that. We need to carry that as assurance. It doesn't mean that bad things don't happen around us. It just means that we win in the end. And then verses 24 through 26, Jesus says this, When an evil spirit leaves a person that goes into the desert searching for rest, and when it finds none, it says, I'll return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home and all that's swept in order. And when the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, they all enter the person who lived there, and so that person is worse off than before. What Jesus is talking about, when a person is delivered from a demon and they don't replace that presence of those demons with Jesus Christ, then the demons will return and it will be worse than it was before. 
that's the danger. And you say, whoa, that's kind of that's over my head. Well, I want to tell you, evil spirits are out there. They're still out there. But greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. There are things that happen out there that are so evil, you can't imagine a human being being able to do that on their own. They don't. They're, they're filled with the demonic. And we need to realize that and face that. And the reason that we realize that and see it, that we are, re, we are re, called to this story and that Jesus overcomes. And as Jesus fi- finishes this sentence, I mean this story, in explaining about the demonic, there was a woman in the crowd, verse 27, and she called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came, and the breast that nursed you. And Jesus replied, real quickly, but even more blessed are all those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. We are blessed. We're blessed the most of the universe when we receive the word of Jesus and follow it. When we obey. Jesus said, but even more blessed are all those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Who put it into practice. Jesus calls us to walk with him. Walk with him. Hand in hand. Not to say I walked with him and go the other direction. I'm afraid a lot of people take the idea of grace like Paul described in Romans 6 and say, well, grace covers everything I do. I do whatever I want. Paul said, don't don't keep sinning so you get more grace. It's not about that. Realize that grace was extended to you when you accepted Jesus Christ. That's grace. Rescued you when you didn't deserve it. But he also tells us he wants us to put his teachings into practice. Out of his own mouth right here in Luke eleven twenty eight, And he said earlier what? Verse 23 that either you're with me or you're against me. So we have a hard time committing in our society to anything and sticking with it. Isn't that right? And Jesus is saying, I need you to commit. I need you to walk with me. I need you to put the things into practice that I'm teaching you so that Satan won't get you. This is real. This is truth. It's truth. Because this is the teaching of Jesus. And Jesus said, when you listen and hear the word of God and you put it into practice, that's the greatest blessing that God gives. Because now you are walking with the king. You're not watching him walk. 
you're watching, you're walking with him. Is that clear? Yeah, that's not muddy at all, is it? Because this is what Jesus said. He was the most simple teacher there was. Why? So what I'm asking you this morning, we know that evil is out there. We know that we see that going on and it's happening all around us. And we also know greater is he who lives in me than, the, than he who lives in the world. Well, the spirit that lives within me is stronger, is more mighty, is more powerful than the spirit that exists in the world. Then what are you waiting for? If you haven't accepted Christ, this is the day to do it. I'm ready to walk with the king. Because Jesus said, remember, either you're with me or you're against me. It's time to walk with the king. It's time to enjoy the grace and the mercy and the blessings of Jesus Christ. As we saw this morning, this message is so simple, a child can understand it. A child can understand it. And it was intended to be that simple. So this is the day of salvation. This is the day of deliverance. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And as they sing and play, you're welcome to come up front and we'll pray with you. You can stand there and hold your hand up. We'll come to you. The elders will assist you, help you in any way, help you get a greater understanding about how to put on Jesus Christ. If you are just ready to quit walking, wa watching Jesus walk, and you're ready to walk with him, same thing. We're ready to help. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you stir hearts. Father, I ask that you move your spirit in this building this morning. Father, that we understand we need to walk with you. We need to be with you and not against you. Thank you, Father, so much for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.